Brent Gunning, Show Ali here. And, you know, just updating you on the most important story in the world. I am a little less than two hours away from the start of my Christmas vacation. I like your, your Christmas sweater. I, I don't. Don't tell Great. people that. They're going to put a video of it up on the internet. I know they are. But I feel, I actually <laughs> was thinking about this when I put this on this morning. And uh, you just saw me FaceTime my child. He helped yes. me pick it out last night. Because okay. I have two. I have another one that's a little more, I don't feel like I should wear it on work. It's uh, at work. It's got Rudolph and he's like sloshed up on a <laughs> pole and there's a bottle of wine spilt on the floor. It's a great sweater. I just don't feel like I should be wearing it uh, on air. But you can wear it at work, just not when you're in front of a camera. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the cameras are always on me. Show <laughs> people need me. But I, uh, I was thinking, like, I don't think I'm the top of the list. But if we did a, like, fan, staff, on-air, personality, power rankings of people least likely to wear a Christmas sweater, like, I think Jeff Blair right away. Like, that, like number one answer. That's my answer. Like, he is the last guy. Like, maybe that's unfair. I don't know. That's just where my mind goes. I feel like I would be in the upper echelon of people's lists. Like, again, I don't think I'm most likely. Of least likely. No, I feel like I'm a big grouch. I'm grumpy all the time. Okay. Uh, You're offending me by saying you think I this is on brand (laughs) for me. Now I'm angry. I want to go Hulkster and rip it off in one clean motion. You disagree. You think it is on brand. I think it depends on the kind of sweater. Ah. This is is a fun sweater, right? But if 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 they were the kind of like just the regular, the Mm. quote unquote regular ugly Christmas sweaters, then no, I can't see wearing this. Can I I hit you with something else? Watch this. This is going to be great for radio. Do you see it? Oh, it lights up. Lights up. Yeah, the, the, the pattern is a polar bear wrapped in Christmas tree lights, and the and lights, the lights light, up. light up. That's yeah. pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, turned it off though. Got to conserve battery you power. Catch fire. Yeah, well, on global warming, <laughs> you know, certainly the watch battery uh, just terrible for for the environment. Uh, quick, 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 quick thought on the Leafs. It was brutal last night. I'm not running away from it, but I am. I don't want to talk about it. It was disgusting. It was an awful game. We will dive back into it with Sammy Cause. So everybody listening here, going, uh, the Leafs. Yeah, I watched it last night. Two people. Okay. Try to give you a quick reprieve. We will dive back into it. We'll all cry about it. Sam Cosentino will tell me to grow up. That is coming up in about 25 minutes time. I'm going to talk to Charles Davis in a a second here. But show, you and I haven't got to talk much Blue Jays with you. Have not got to talk any NFL with you. It's true. What has been your kind of overarching prevailing thought of the season? Because the thing we've kind of been landing on here, and not a wholly original thought, but is anybody good is kind of the prevailing thought we've, we've kind of landed on. Where, where are you at overarching thoughts uh, on the NFL season so far? Yeah, this is the, the year of the backup is, has not been particularly, I'm, I'm not saying it's not watchable, but of, of the last couple of seasons, this definitely feels like the year where it's like par- Seagal watchable though. Sure. Yeah. yeah That's a yeah. good way to put it. The, the parody in the league is great. It's always nice to see that there's a, a, a you know, any given Sunday mm-hmm. type of type of day, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of the games have been marred by very poor play, whether it's quarterback play or defensive play. And I don't know. It's just, it just it just kind of bummed me out a little bit when even the best teams get waxed sometimes. It's kind of nice to have a little bit of separation. It, it feels like there is no middle class of team in the NFL. Mm. You either have some really good teams and then you have just a whole bunch of really awful teams. And I'm not sure I see that really changing in the last, what, two weeks essentially of the season. That's interesting. I don't know that I totally disagree, but I'd almost word it that the the low class is the middle class okay now. sure like sure. it's just like the bad teams are now the mediocre teams that and the 49ers are very talented i think we all look at them as probably the the biggest killing machine sure. in the nfl but i don't know and you know as good a time as any to bring on charles davis in a second here but they 
it's like they don't feel infallible. They don't feel perfect. They do right now, but go back and look at the games that they dropped early on in the season. I know people point to injuries. Uh, guess what? People are going to get hurt as the as the NFL season uh, goes along. Now we will bring in our, uh, our, our first guest of the day, our friend, always, always happy to chat with him on a Friday morning, analyst for the NFL on CBS as well as NFL Network, Charles Davis. Charles, thanks so much for jumping on this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys are well today. Yeah, doing doing very very well here. Uh, you know, a little festive season never uh, never never hurts anybody, and a uh, little no. little extra NFL uh, never does as well. We get some extra games on a set. Well, I guess not extra games. They would have just been played on Sunday, but they spread the wealth a little. So we uh, we certainly won't complain about that. You know, I'll I'll bring no. you in on the thought I was just sharing there. The idea of the lack of a, and I don't know, feel free to quibble with this. I don't even know if I wholly buy it, but does it feel like there's a lack of a juggernaut in the NFL this year? I mean, I think a lot of people would point to the 49ers, but you go pull up their record. They've lost some questionable games this year, and I think there are still people, fair or not, that that hold out some question marks for for Brock Purdy. Is it is it fair to say that the 49ers, maybe they are this year's juggernaut, but I don't know that they feel the same way some of these infallible teams, be it the Chiefs or the Eagles or, you know, go back to Brady's Patriots have kind of felt in the past. I don't think you're wrong. I think it's a, I think it's a legitimate conversation piece, starting point, and different people will have different opinions. But I do think that you are – I think you're more on target than, than maybe others might, might say off the top. You know, when people sit down and examine it, that, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I see what you're talking about. Because like last year, Kansas City, Philadelphia, almost felt like a collision course, didn't it? Like, okay, let's get totally. into the Super Bowl somehow, right? Would we have thought, you know, would Cincinnati have been a problem? Yeah, because we knew how Cincinnati played Kansas City, and, of course, it played out in the AFC title game. In fact, it took a, a bad play by Cincinnati to give Kansas City the last thing to get them over the line, right, where the guy hit Mahomes out of bounds and gave him the field goal, and they won it. All those things kick in, but to your point, you know, normally by this point in the season, we're looking at, this team or this team or this team and go, Oh my goodness. Can anyone handle them? San Francisco is that team this year, but that three game losing streak in the middle of the season kind of puts them in a position where everybody goes, yeah, but you remember they were vulnerable at one point. The key is their health. Certain players have to be on the field for San Francisco to be San Francisco that we're talking about left tackle, Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, running back, Debo Samuel, wide receiver, tight end George Kittle, quarterback Brock Purdy. When they're all playing in together, they're, they're like 18-0, 19-0 regular season, something like that. It's a crazy number. Moving right along past that, the AFC is so wide open now that we are actually spending more time talking about teams who aren't in the playoffs at the moment. <laughs> but, if they get, but if they get in, we think that they're the problem. They're going to be the issue for other teams, meaning I'm talking about Buffalo. Like Buffalo's not in at the moment, but if we say, "Hey, if Buffalo gets in, everybody goes, yeah, the way they're playing right now, I'm with Josh Allen, <laughs> with this, with that." That's kind of where we are on all of this. I think your point is well taken, and it's going to be fun to watch as we get to the finish. To me, San Francisco is the best team in the league, hands down. The AFC, no one would surprise me coming out of the AFC at this moment. No one, and I mean that. And for all of us who are looking for the juggernaut. I feel like there are a lot of people who love the fact that there's uncertainty and his former commissioner, Pete Rozelle was fond of saying <laughs> parody is what the people want. 
And right now, that's what we've got. Well, Charles, when you look at some of the teams beyond the, the 49ers, and you mentioned the AFC and how basically any team feels like they could make it to the AFC championship game or to the Super Bowl, and you look at the Dolphins, they're 10-4. and four. The Ravens are 11-3. and three. The Jags and the Colts and the Texans are all tied at 8-6 and six atop their division. And the, the Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champs, are only 9-5. and five. Like, How, how yeah. do you kind of try and, try and differ, differentiate between all of these teams? Is it as easy as saying, well, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, who's playing at a near MVP level for much of this mm-hmm. season. Is, is that where you draw the line when it comes to QB play? Because this has been the year of the backup quarterback, and we've seen so many backups across so many different teams, even four Super Bowl contenders. Like you look at the Browns, for example, they're nine and five and have played, what, four yeah. or five different quarterbacks. So how, how do you draw that line when, when you come to making your choices as to the second or third or fourth best team in the NFL? Show it's hard to draw the line, but here's where I think we we probably start. We start with, as you pointed out, Lamar Jackson is that quarterback, has been there before, has been an MVP. He's the best one. You know, we've joked before on this show about the AFC North, that when the AFC North started the season at one point, Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh was clearly the fourth best quarterback in the division. (laughs) At one point during this season, he was number two in the division. Okay, because of injuries and and now different guys were playing, et cetera. So there is a big part of that. Lamar Jackson, Baltimore. The second thing I look at is has that team, does that team have a pedigree for the playoffs? Have they been in it before? Has that head coach led them before? Baltimore checks every box. Okay. They haven't been as deep in the playoffs as we would have thought in recent years, but they've been to Super Bowl with John Harbaugh. They've won it. They they they've consistently made the playoffs. Those things help when you're trying to differentiate because Cincinnati, they have all those boxes checked in recent years, but Jake Browning's leading them, not Joe Burrow. But then you got to look and say, hold a second, this Jake Browning's playing pretty well. When you start looking at the numbers and how they've played, oh, he's pretty good. So do I believe that or do I not? That's the next part of how it goes. So some of that's almost like a, an intrinsic gut feeling about what you feel about a team going. Look at the AFC South. Three-way tie, right? Well, we started with the year thinking Jacksonville was clearly the best team, and we thought they had it locked down about three weeks ago. Now we're sitting there doing it, but here's the flip side. Indianapolis playing awfully well. Houston playing well despite injuries and and a backup quarterback having to play. Indianapolis backup quarterback, he's been there most of the year. Here's the kicker. Jacksonville still owns their own destiny because they hold almost every tiebreaker going. So if somehow they just limp to the finish, go two and one down the down the stretch, I think that they're the ones that get in. So a lot of things have to happen. But to your point, start with the quarterback. And to me, the next thing is, what is the playoff pedigree and the person leading that team? That's where my my eyes kind of go next, and then I kind of go, you know, break it down from there. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good way to look at it. Uh, I got to ask you about uh, one of the games most intriguing to me this weekend. A couple of 10-4 and four teams, Dolphins and Cowboys. Uh, Dolphins, they got right with a shutout win last week. Uh, Cowboys, we know what happened there. This feels like uh, one that, again, like I've made this point to you about the Cowboys, I feel like, for five straight yeah. weeks, but... Once again, big-time narratives coming out of this game one way or another. Dolphins proving they can hang with the team with a legit defense versus the Cowboys kind of getting right. What do you what do you see in that game, and do you, do you feel like one of those teams needs it more, more than the other? 
I think they both desperately need it. And when I say desperately, I mean desperately. Because yeah. I think in the eyes of, of all of us watching, we just want one of them to, you know, we want them to prove their bona fides, right? We want them to make their bones, as they said back in The Godfather. Yeah. Meaning, beat someone that we consider as a public legit, all right? We're trying to decide how legit both of them truly are. We love watching the Dolphins play because they can be breathtaking when that offense is clicking, right? We like watching Dallas play because they're Dallas. Let's be honest about it. Everybody can <laughs> either, either like them or hate them. But when you put it all together, you're watching them. They are gold, all right, in terms of ratings. Now, Dallas, did they prove themselves against Philadelphia? Sure felt like it, didn't it? Here's, what's the, here's the bad part for Dallas. Philadelphia is struggling right now. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. is that as good a win as we thought? All of a sudden, we're taking away what we told them they had to go earn. And then they went ahead, to, went to Buffalo, and Buffalo just beat them, you know, every which way but Sunday. So that's a problem for Dallas. Like, you know, you couldn't even handle the Philadelphia win. You go right to Buffalo and just get the brakes beat off of you. You got to prove something to us. With, with, with Miami, they've beaten no one this year that we consider legitimate. When's it going to happen? The best part for both of these teams is somehow the schedule keeps throwing teams at them that keep saying, here's another chance to prove it. Think about Dallas, Philadelphia, Buffalo. Now they get Miami. Miami's getting Dallas right now. I think next week they get Baltimore, and then they finish with Buffalo. So, you know, the universe keeps saying, okay, here's another chance to prove it. Are you going to do it? (laughs) That's why I think both of them need it. Both of them have to have it. Both of them need it for reasons of division, playoff seating, everything else. But above all, public belief in that team. Because right now, I like the Dolphins, but are they that team? I'm waiting to see them play that team and beat them. This Sunday's another opportunity. Well, Charles, as we discussed, Cowboys-Dolphins, which I agree with Gunnar, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, I wanted to zero in a little bit on Dak Prescott and maybe his place in the MVP race. Because, I mean, you mentioned the Cowboys-Bills game from last weekend, and like you said, the the Cowboys got the, the... breaks beat off them by Buffalo. And, and, and it kind of felt like with that loss, Dak Prescott's place atop the MVP race, or at least near the top with Brock Purdy, kind of stumbled a little bit. Like now it feels like the MVP race yeah. conversation, and we're instead of saying, oh, it's Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, it's Brock Purdy and CMC, or it's Brock Purdy and Lamar yeah. Jackson, for example. Are we still at the point, though, where the MVP race is so close that if Prescott does acquit himself really well over these last couple of se- uh, last couple of weeks, I should say, he can still get back in it? Or, or really are we at the point now where if, if Brock Purdy just continues doing what he's doing, it's his to lose, essentially? No, it, it's still open. It is still open because, if, if, let's face it, if Dak Prescott and the Cowboys beat the Dolphins and he plays really well, he's a focal point in it, Totally right back in it. Finish strong. Dallas being Dallas, you know the games that they're going to play are going to be really, really widely seen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a big deal. And if somehow Dallas wins the division and is like the number two seed in, in, the, in the playoffs, yeah, he's very much in it. It's not over like Purdy, as you mentioned, Purdy, Christian McCaffrey. This past week, if you've read anything coming out of San Francisco, when those questions have come up for the 49ers people, They've said every name going. Well, for us, Brock is, yeah, and, and Christian, yeah. And, you know, some people might say Trent Williams yeah. should be our MVP. <laughs> so at the end of it, you just wonder with the voting, and now the voting's different, right? It used to be you voted for one person. 
And now the voting is, I think, one, two, three, and then MVP. Could those guys actually nullify each other? You know what I mean? And a third yeah. person comes in and wins it? Because right now I'm thinking that could happen with San Francisco. Let's say Purdy and McCaffrey nullify each other, and Lamar Jackson rallies Baltimore all the way to the finish, and Baltimore wins their division. They're the number one seed in the AFC. Lamar Jackson could walk away with the second MVP. And it wouldn't surprise me at all to have that happen. But can Dak still be in it? Oh, without a doubt. He, he's not out of it at all. But there's a lot of discussion and swirling. And the biggest thing is he needs to be Dak Prescott in a monster game where he has that big game and everyone sees it and he's the focal point. Yeah, I think you nailed it. We've we've had glimpses of that moment for for Dak, but it feels like the defense always shines for the Cowboys in in those games. So you just you you would like to see him. And hey, if it's going to have to happen against the Dolphins team, I think that'd be quite the narrative term for him. That'd be huge and for him. You it took, would be huge because because Philadelphia, he was that guy. Yeah, like he he played really well against Philadelphia. But since the Philadelphia game, Philadelphia now everybody's talking about this. That I'm reading former mm-hmm. former general manager in the league says a clown show in Philadelphia. <laughs> their culture is all messed up. We go from a team in the Super Bowl to a team winning 11 games early to a team now that people are calling the clown show, which is way too much for mm-hmm. me. But that's how quickly narratives change in our league. Yeah, so I I do want to. That was exactly where I was going to finish with you today. I also just wanted to add on to what you said about the Ravens 49ers game. It's like we could have the MVP yeah. discussion flip as early as yeah. Christmas. Nice present for Lamar Jackson potentially if they right. they're able to go in there and win. Uh, the Eagles. We know what the schedule looks like for them. Uh, a couple of games against the Giants. It is it is uh, far from a murderer's row from them to finish the season. Is that ideal for them, or do you think they would maybe want to have a team that could potentially push, test them a little more? You know, I think for this Eagles team, knowing that they have the, you know, the very recent memory, go back four weeks ago of feeling like a great team, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if they, they have a bit of a lighter sched here. Maybe they can get themselves right. I don't know that it's enough to right the ship, but uh, do you think it's a good thing and sets the Eagles up for success that they go Giants, Cards, Giants to, to finish? the regular season I don't think that's a bad thing at all I'm I'm definitely jumping at your camp now the flip side of course is if somehow they end up losing two or three <laughs> then 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 guess what we're we're saying they go they're limping into the playoffs and we're not even discussing them because they, they're not that team but they need something cleansing right now they need a chance to exhale and breathe you've got receivers fighting with the common person over social media. I'm tired of you guys messing <laughs> with my character. I'm like, AJ, what are we doing here? <laughs> All right. Put, put the social media down and just go play. All right. You're going to fight with people like me. That, that, that makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. Okay. Just, just cut it out. That's where we are now with Philadelphia. And none of us saw it. I didn't see it coming. Jalen Hurts, I watched all the comments and everybody's putting all this stuff out. He's questioning the commitment of his teammates. And I didn't see that. Did I see him say as a team, they've got to be better? Yeah. But now all of a sudden we, and I say we, cause we're media people, right? Mm-hmm. We get involved. Uh, uh, Jalen questioned your, your, your team's commitment this week. And now that now here we go. And so they've got to get all that stuff figured out. But I, I think that you are on target they didn't need to play any more monster games. They've played them. They've got to play games to get right. And I asked a guy, and I'll leave it at this. I asked a, a big-time coach one time, 
about playing big games and playing games that, that you knew you were going to win. And he said, hey, man, I like keeping my job. I like games I know I'm going to win, okay? And right now, that's where Philadelphia is. Sounds like a smart man, I got to say. I also like things and, I know and, I can and, win. And by, the, and, by the way, and by the way, real quick, yeah. as much as these look like layups, mm-hmm. you, have to, you have teams that are ready to play their best down the stretch. The Cardinals have played hard all year long. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They need to validate that with their new head coach, and they've been doing it. They'd love to have a big win to take into the offseason, knowing they're not in the playoffs. And the Giants, now that Tommy DeVito got right with, with, with that crazy you know, representative <laughs> of his and showing up at the local pizza place and doing the right thing, well done, Tommy, and not taking money for it and has a legit marketing rep now, heck, he can breathe and, 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 and rest easy and mom can cook up a good meal. And the Giants will play loose and free. That's the problem Philadelphia has. They should win these games. But you got two teams that have something to play for and, and don't have to worry about any pressure. And no pressure teams can drive you crazy. Yeah, and it feels like those, I mean, I guess you could say this about half the divisions in the league, but those NFC East teams always find a way to stick it to one another when you'd least expect oh, it. It does kind of feel that way. Have it, has it been, has not been a repeat champion in the NFC East since what year? Do you guys know the stat? No, I don't. Since 2004. <laughs> That's nuts. That is uh, Philadelphia that's... was the last repeat champion, 2004. Every year since then, it's been a different team has won the division. It's the way the NFC East operates. To your point, it's the way that they roll. So Tommy DeVito's like cutlets for everyone. Cutlets that's for fine. everyone. <laughs> Man, that is like McNabb to Eagles. That's yeah. so long ago, uh, Charles. I could do this all day. That. Thank you so much for jumping on. We love you every Friday. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, man. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you and everyone who can hear our voices and everyone stay safe and let's enjoy this football. This is a great time of year. Here, here. Could not agree more. Uh, there he goes, Charles Davis. Always, always love uh, getting him on. Honestly, one of our favorites. And as we said, does a great job uh, with his real job on TV, but the voice of Madden. The voice of Madden. Yeah. Right. If we had, uh, we had more time, I'd be like, Charles, when did you start recording stuff for Madden? It must be like hours maybe i i gotta pitch i gotta start like pitching them lines so that when i'm playing <laughs> right, I can exactly be like, that's me i put that in his <laughs> ear i scripted that i don't think i don't think when he goes into the booth at ea that he's like i have some requests from a radio guy in toronto they're like you know what you can do with that paper Throw set it, it on fire <laughs> never speak of it again uh, all right. He mentioned the DeVito thing quickly. We had kind of loosely talked about it all week. Best story in sports. So his agent gets inducted into the Italian-American yes. Sports Hall of Fame. A real thing, not a joke. He's wearing a green... And then DeVito's like, oh, cut it out with all the Italian stuff to the Giants TikTok people, which like, uh, maybe talk to your agent who's wearing a Italian National Sports Hall of Fame jacket on the sideline. I feel like you're going to lean into that. And he goes and does the thing at the pizzeria. It's a make good. It is... This story, we have already had the arc of hero to villain, back to hero. He's been around for a month. The NFL, incredible that they just go, have you seen an Italian person? And we all go, no, I actually have never seen that before. And he's the number one story in sports for a month. It's incredible. There there was a a story which I legitimately was not sure if it was true or not about the Giants TikTok (laughs) coverage and about how like they wanted him to like rank the Sopranos Yeah, cut it with all the Italians. That's real. I I legitimately felt like, are they just making this up? This could be fake. I honestly 
he wasn't sure, but oh man, it's true. Dami DeVito has been a lot of fun to watch, but yeah, to Charles' point, I mean, the, the Eagles, the Sierra Gunner have, yeah. have had it, it taken to them by like the commanders twice. And, I mean, they won both those games, thankfully yeah. for them, but I mean, th- those are games that went to overtime and they relied on clutch throws instead Insane. of just walking all over them. So I think that's, that's the story of the NFL this year. It doesn't, it does not feel like even the worst teams mm-hmm can uh are, are going to be counted out i mean earlier this season when we all thought the cardinals are going to be the worst team in football yep. went out and just beat the brakes off the cowboys at yeah. the beginning of the season but so the astronaut yeah remember pretty, him that's true yeah now, in the, the year of the backup he ain't even there <laughs> yeah. uh all right so we just talked about it you know football always on everybody's mind we got to get to the story though uh it is now time for something to chew on brought to you by great canadian meat so you know we're talking football. Charles Davis is always thinking football, but in the world of sport, you know, I'm always thinking Leafs, but the one name that is rung true all winter long, heaven forbid we talk about the sports that are going on. No, we had to talk about Shohei Otani for 17 months in a row. <laughs> and that captured the attention of a nation. Unless you love football and your name's Kirk Herbstreet. <laughs> Al Michaels well, coming in there like, oh, where? What rock have you lived under? <laughs> Shohei Otani. So good. It's amazing. And like, buddy, I have butchered names in my day. I don't. Sure, want, so I don't want to make it seem like I haven't. But it really. And maybe, maybe he just. You know, like we've all been there. You get marble mouth that comes out bad. Yeah. <laughs> Like that. I like to think. Stop it. I like to think that Kirk Herbstreet had never heard of him until the the producer in his ear was like, "Uh, Shohei's in the crowd. And he's like, who? Shogun? Who? I'm a big MMA guy. I never (laughs) heard of that guy. I like to think that he has just been living under a rock, only caring about the college football playoff and bad Thursday night games and baseball does not even exist in his world. And he had never heard of him until they they he set eyes upon him last night. That's what exactly. <laughs> that's how. That's the world I want to live in. You gotta say it kind of makes me like Herbstreit a little bit more. I kind of yeah. I kind of like him a little bit more for it. It just makes him feel makes him seem very normal. It just makes me feel like what what Kirk Herbstreit thinks of on a <laughs> daily basis when he's not thinking of NFL football is just. Only college football. Only college That's football. All he's thinking of. He wants. He just wants to talk about and and, and rewatch in his head. Jaden Daniels yes, highlights. That's all he, he wants. He has no interest in showing Otani whatsoever. Yeah, and even Justin Fields. He's like, oh God, can we get some of that Ohio State and Georgia tape? Exactly. I want that. I want that. Exactly. I want that. Uh, that was something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. All right. I, I've tried people. It was a car crash in Buffalo last night. I mean, I'm sure there were some of those, but I'm talking on the ice regarding the Leafs. She was rough. But if you want me to tell you something good, they have two players who are going to play for Canada, the World Junior Hockey Championships, and maybe I'm jinxing it. I don't think Canada is going to have a game that looked like that last night. I don't think. We'll talk to Sammy Cause teeing up the tournament. Where do the Leafs go? Did they have to make a move for a goalie? We'll talk to Sam Cosentino about that and more when we continue. It's Fan Morning Show with Gunning and Ali on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think a lot of you will be will be very, very happy to hear this. Because text line often, you know, it's an odd thing. 
The text line's often complaining about my complaining. They're going, quit your whining. Well, you're whining about my whining. Quit your whining about it, but I'm not going to bring it to air, but I just did my grousing with you and Jeff as a party in the break. So hopefully there'll be a little less complaining from me uh, the rest of the way as I'm want to do, but we're also about to talk about the league. So probably, <laughs> probably not. not yeah. Probably. There was a not. text I got on the text line mm. from David Barry, who uh, to your Christmas shirt mm. point, which I think ties into the complaining very nicely. Yes. He says, uh, Brent is most likely to wear a Grinch shirt. Can I tell you something? My wife uh, bought for me and her father, Grinch t-shirts to wear on Christmas Day <laughs> while we open presents. That's so like that it. is, uh, yeah, guess what? Got them got them both. Nailed, Dave nailed it then. <laughs> do love me some of the Grinch. I do. I do. He I also do. says Blair has wears no holiday shirt. You know what? I could see that. But I can't tell if he means like tarps off no, completely I'm, or if he just means like normal shirts. Does it mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a shirt on Jeff Blair. In my visual, <laughs> at least, I'm going to need one of those on. I need a shirt on myself, too. Okay? No one wants to That's see fair. that. That's fair. Uh, nobody wanted to see what we got. Well, I mean, I suppose in theory there are Sabres. No, not in theory. It's a great fan base. There are a lot of them. The, the people who did not poach their tickets or uh, sell their tickets to Leaf fans, they enjoyed themselves in Buffalo last night. But all of Leafs faithful uh, in attendance certainly did not. Uh, I wish I could say that that's an experience that they're used to. But, uh, yeah, it feels uh, pretty fitting. If that was somebody's first Leaf game, it is a bit of a welcome to Leafs Nation there. Uh, We now welcome in our uh, next guest, Sam Cosentino of Sportsnet. Always love getting you on. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, Sammy. How are we doing? Why, thank you very much. And a Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday right back at you. So, uh, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about the World Juniors, the happy feels that come with that tournament. The Leafs got a couple of prospects there, but I, I quickly, we have to touch on the, the debacle that, that was last night. These things happen in the course of a season. It, it just happened to the Sabres two days ago. Uh, but for a team that we think of the way we think of the Leafs, and not that they're perfect, not that they're without flaws, but uh, they certainly don't look that bad most nights. Uh, that was just, that was brutal, Sammy. It does feel like one of those that, you know, you can point to the criticisms and have things to say about it, but it is one of those that you almost, in my opinion, just kind of dust your hands of it and say, all right, try to forget about that as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, you just throw it away. And you know what? Like, obviously, in this market, everyone's going to take that, that Toronto perspective on it. Just because, you know, you're you're a Leaf fan for the most part, and you're you're cheering for the Leafs, but you have to take. Uh, I like to take different views of things, and so the view I take on this one is, you're looking at a team in Buffalo that was, you know, well below expectations for this year. There's a lot of heat about the coach. The other day was an absolute debacle. That Tuesday night against Columbus and a nine-four loss was, it was kind of like the game you're looking at from Toronto's perspective yeah. last night. Like, it was crazy. They scored 20, 30 seconds into the game. Buffalo's up one nothing, <laughs> And then they give up seven unanswered goals. That's crazy. So what it tells me is that this team still has a lot of respect for its coach. It was a huge bounce-back game for Buffalo. It was a situation in Toronto where whenever they go to Buffalo, things just seem to go awry. And the perfect storm of having the Columbus game in its back pocket, Buffalo was... Uh, was full value. Now, there's a lot of flaws on Toronto's side, don't get me wrong, but I do think you have to sometimes take the opposite perspective and just take a look at what's going on the other way, you know? 
Well, Sam, you know, one, one thing that a lot of people say, and I think this is a bit of a sports cliche, but people often say in hockey that goaltenders are voodoo. And I do I do kind of agree with this because, uh, you know, in some, in some sense, guys who are really good can lose it and guys who have, have lost it can find it again. Having said that, I, I mean, what do you do about Elias Samsonov going forward? I mean, do, does he get more starts? And I think probably out of necessity he, he does. is a back-to-back coming up on the 29th and 30th, so he probably starts one of those games just because not m- many other options. Like it, it, it doesn't really feel like when it comes to other options that a Yaroslav Halak is the right answer or a, even pulling up Dennis Hill to be from the Marlies. Like it just feels like the Leafs are going to have to lie in this bed they've made for at least a little while longer. And I'm not sure very many fans are going to be altogether too happy with that. No, you might be entertained though, show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, you think about Joe Wall and you think about his importance, right? So, Here's a guy who comes into the year and, you know, he had a spot secured, but how much was he going to play? And Samsonov, after the year he had last year and only getting the, a one-year deal that, you know, you could have extended that into maybe a, a two, a three, a four, a five-year window. It, it told you a lot about what Toronto's management was thinking of its goaltending situation. So now you're in a spot where you're no doubt going to have to play him and he's just going to have to get back on the horse and get in there, you know. What it does say to me, though, is for the games leading up to this where, you know, it was Martin Jones uh, with the 82-minute shutout streak and three wins in his first three appearances is Toronto as a team has to get back to playing a little bit more of that defensive style to protect their goalie, protect the house, block shots, keep things to the outside, and, and possess the puck more so that the opposition doesn't have it which is something that they've done for a long time anyhow. So I think they just got to gut it out until Wall gets back. You'll get a little bit of a reprieve here with the, with the holiday break and um, tighten up things defensively. And at the end of the day, I think when you look back, you know, the Leafs are a playoff team. They're mm-hmm. a really good team. Going through these stretches and this adversity is going to be really helpful when you get into April. And I think it's going to be helpful from a team perspective and, and realizing how it's going to have to win games in the playoffs, that even with Wall in goal and Samson off as the backup, they're going to have to play a particular way. So these lessons learned now, I think, are going to be good to, to serve the club down the road. Yeah, I, I and I agree with everything you're saying. I'm sure there's a big segment of the fan base who's saying, oh, my, like, I agree with you. you got to sit oh, there and sure. wait wait for Wall. But the other part of it is that, you know, Joe Wall, I, I, I've I been as in the bag for him as I've been for a Leaf goalie since, I don't know, like the start of Freddie Anderson here. Like, I believed in the guy, but he's had, what, 30, if that, NHL games under his belt, and you're going to put the whole hope of the season on him. You don't have another choice. Like, I agree with everything you're saying, but, man, it's a, uh, uh-huh. it's a scary proposition. The, uh, the other thing I have wondered about that, and, you know, I wonder if Bradshaw living a, a piece of him is thankful the trade freeze kicked in is do you think that this I don't think he goes crazy and you know swings for the fences on a goalie trade or anything like that but we know this team wants to add to their their blue line we know that they have the money to do it with Klingberg on LTIR do you think that there's any world where this kind of increases the urgency on Trill Living's part to make a trade again not for a goaltender but be it that defenseman that they're searching for, or I don't know, maybe it's a third line center to put Max Domi in a better spot or something. Do you think that though the goaltending issues the team's having right now could kind of not force his hand, but motivate him to act maybe a little quicker than he planned to. And probably for that defenseman. But the yeah. thing is like, if you, if you look at the goalie market, guys, look around the league, look at Carolina, look at New Jersey. These are teams that really struggled with their goaltending with amazing teams up front. Toronto's in a similar situation, 
But with Wall there, I think they're better served than those two clubs combined. Now, if Freddie Anderson comes back, that changes the narrative uh, a little bit in Carolina. You know, you have Schmieden and Vanacek in uh, in New Jersey. But this is, you know, the Leafs aren't alone in a situation where they're really good up front in terms of their forward and their D and have had big time issues struggling in goal. Ottawa Senators, Buffalo Sabres. There's a lot of teams yeah. in that mix. But if I'm looking at Carolina, Jersey, and Toronto, those are three elite teams in their skater groups, uh-huh. three teams that at points for Toronto have struggled, but the other two are digging themselves out of a hole from bad save percentages at the start of the year. So it does say to me that, hey, listen, this is a situation where Tree Living is going to have to go out, really explore what options are out there for him in the D market and address that as part of helping out the entire team defense to give them better strength in front of their netminders. If you thought us asking you to fix goaltending in the NHL was a tricky proposition, just wait for what I'm about to throw at you, Sammy, because we love getting you on at this time of year. I mean, we love always getting you on, but World Junior's around the corner. It's got me thinking, you know, we just saw Devin Levi or Levy last night. What do you make of Canadian goaltending? I mean, we've all done the thing where we've looked ahead to this World Cup or the Olympics when we get to best on best. And, hey, you want to talk about good skater groups? Canada certainly has one. Look, in the crease, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a more hairy proposition. What do you think it is about Hockey Canada, goaltending development in this country, whatever you want to, to make of it, that, you know, we have struggled to kind of pump out those elite netminders that it, it felt like, you know, we always used to, be it a wah, a flurry, wherever you want to go with it, just felt like, you know, our, my whole life, there's been great Canadian goalies, and for the last little while here, it feels like we've had a dearth of them. I think, I think it's attitude. I think it's truly attitude. Mm. And I think if you look at the Finns, and the Russians in particular right now, like if you had to go pick a Russian goalie for the Olympic team, would it be Shosturk? Would it be Shosturk? I've been joking that it's really unfortunate for Morgan Riley that Canada has to trade him to Russia for a goalie. Like that's been my running joke this whole time because it's like Mo's really good. He's really good. But I don't know if he's cracking Canada. And he'd be the perfect guy to move in a hypothetical trade that cannot happen. Yeah, for sure. And so, so, and you look at the Finnish goaltenders, they've really come along. You know, you think about Soros being the, the leader of that group. And so I think in those countries that the national program and how much national teams are together help promote a goaltending system that looks pretty similar throughout. In Canada, when you get together with the national team, U-17s, U-18s, world under 20s, you have a uh, like a goaltending system that, that they utilize and put in place, but then each and every one of them escapes that national program, and I got a goalie coach in the summer. I got a goalie coach with my team. This guy's telling me one thing. Hockey Canada's telling me another, and my team goalie coach is telling me something completely different. So now you have these young guys who are coming up, and they're like, well, do I play this way? Do I play that way? What? And, and this kind of confusion of technique, I think, leads to what we're seeing right now. It's a big hole in the system. And I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen here with, with Hockey Canada at the World Juniors, but these are three basically unproven guys um, that are going to be fighting for a spot. I think the internal competition is really good, but once that starting guy emerges, He's going to be looking up at a Swedish team that's unbelievable, a U.S. team that is loaded for bare front and back. And to be able to handle that pressure in those key moments, 
might be a challenge for for Team Canada this year because of the the inexperience and the and the unproven uh, situation in goal. But it does speak, I think, to to a national issue. And hey, if you're Hockey Canada, you can't say to your guys, when you're with us, you have to do this. When you leave us, you stick with our program. Don't talk to your other goalie coach. Don't <laughs> listen to your team goalie coach. It just doesn't work that way. But maybe it's a lack of confidence and a lack of time spent with the national program that with all its research and all its history and all of its resources should be able to, to have a better program in place for the entire country, not just for the times when they get together with their national clubs. Sam, as we look ahead to the world juniors a little bit, you know, you're looking at some of these guys on a, on a, on a roster that has had a lot of turnover. I think, I think Owen Beck might be the only guy returning from last year's squad to this year's team. So there's a lot of new faces that uh, World Juniors fans are going to become a little bit more familiar with or NHL fans that are taking a break from watching their favorite team to watch the, the World Juniors this, uh, this Christmas and Boxing Day and, and onwards. Uh, the Leafs actually have a couple of prospects that are playing for the team for the, in, a, in, a, in a couple of years, I guess. Gunnar and I were talking about this off-air, but I guess it's the first time the Leafs have prospects playing since Marner went to the team which feels like it doesn't feel like that long ago when you say it out loud but it really is not exactly recent so you got easton count and fraser minton i know they can they can be very capable of frustrating other opponents and i'm curious what your expectation is for these two players specifically well minton is gonna play a, a lead role in the team and it, it, it's fascinating because down the middle of the ice they're really good Beck is the lone returner, but he wasn't a true returner because he only showed up when Colton Dock got injured last year. So he basically showed up for the medal round and obviously was a big piece of Canada for that, but wasn't there since day one of the tournament last year. So, you know, if you if you really want to break it down, yes, he's a returnee, but not kind of a full-timer. So getting back to Minton, when I look down the middle of the ice, Matthew Poitras comes back from Boston. You have Minton there, has got obviously NHL games this year. You got Owen Beck, who's a returning guy. And then you have projected, and I think a surefire number one pick in this year's NHL draft in Macklin Celebrini. Guys, this guy is a star. So sorting out what's going to happen down the middle of the ice is really interesting. Getting back to Minton, it probably means that he plays more in a matchup role than he would in an offensive role. And you think, well, that's kind of crazy. This guy had NHL games. But here's a guy who in Kamloops, that's exactly what he did. And that's how he made his way to the National Hockey League. Not by putting up barrels of points, not by being the best penalty uh, power play guy on the ice, but attention to detail, play away from the puck. And you saw it on a lot of occasions when he was with the Maple Leafs this year. People were dazzled by, wow, he doesn't have to put up points to be an effective guy. And so I think that's the role he's going to take on with, with Canada and should be really effective at it. As for uh, Callan, no, really interesting guy. This this rise to prominence for this guy, like going back to two years ago in Junior B and really kind of putting his confidence in the London Knights program to becoming, you know, a mainstay in the second half last year to becoming the guy this year in London. He can be an effective guy for this club too because I really think he speaks to the identity of what this club's going to be about. It's not going to be the, hey, Connor Bedard, run and gun, put up seven a game. It's going to be grind it out. Let's go win 2-1, 3-2. Let's be really defensive-minded and protect our inexperienced netminders. And Cowan can play that type of way, even though if you look at him, you think, oh, he's going to be a points guy. So, again, you're looking at a number of players on this team where the complexion of the team is going to be defensive-minded, grinded out, four lines worth of depth and ability to score goals. It's going to be built a lot more like the last couple of Stanley Cup teams than the high-end 
top-heavy teams that we're used to Canada bringing to this tournament. A return back to picking up your work boots hockey at the World Juniors. Enough of this <laughs> razzle-dazzle BS. Get back to a hard-grinding checking game. I will say, uh, just careful with that Easton Cowan sales pitch because I did want him to leave Sweden and go suit up for the Leafs tomorrow night after you said that. So I know we're not doing that, but I love the way it sounds. Uh, Sammy, I could do this all day. I love the tournament. Love getting you on to chat about it. Uh, thanks so much. And again, uh, Merry Christmas, Sammy Cuz. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. There he goes, Sam Cosentino. Always love getting him on. It is, it's funny. I've had ebbs and flows with the World Juniors of, you know, like when I was, I I remember being in my university dorm room in our like common area when Jordan Everly scored the goal. And it's a miracle I remember it, to be perfectly honest. And then, you know, you get into your later 20s. It's okay. It's fun. Like, hey, look at this young kid, but it has a little bit of the magic gone. But, you know, I've told people this already. I'll tell you now. Got my son. He's, he doesn't understand what things are, so I could say this. Got him a Canada jersey okay. under the tree. We're going to be putting it on and watching the boys, and now I'm so fired up for this tournament again. So I, I personally cannot wait. I, I think one of my favorite uh, stories of the last couple of days was when asked about their favorite <laughs> memories. <laughs> players from this current World Juniors said, mm-hmm. boy, Alexis Lafreniere playing at the yeah, World all, Juniors. And hey, like <laughs> so good. He was great, but he was. God, have some sense of history. Where I've, You know what? I roll my eyes when Bryce Harper does it, but we need the guy to be like, I remember Wayne in the blue Canada leaf. That's what, like, when Bryce Harper <laughs> says his favorite player growing up was Mickey Mantle or something like that. Again, I could talk about this stuff all day. I do think... I do you think the World Juniors, real quick, Gunner, is that one of the things they've done for the number one overall draft mm-hmm. pick is kind of like really solidify that yep. guy. Connor Bedard was always going for number sure. one, but but still, you got to see him do some really cool things mm-hmm. the World Juniors. Same for Lafreniere. Yep. And I feel like this Macklin Celebrini mm-hmm. kid is going to be in the same vein. There's going to be some expectations heaped upon him. And if he fulfills them in especially dazzling ways, and I know Sammy Kaj has talked about mm-hmm. how it's going to be slightly of a yeah, different yeah. team, but Celebrini is, is, is that guy. I think a lot of people are talking about being a number one overall draft pick. And it, it, it could go from him being a, yeah, he could go number one to he's going number one. So I, I think that might be the thing I'm looking forward to seeing apart from Canada winning a gold medal at the World Juniors. Yeah, it's going to be a coming out party for him. He's not somebody who came up in the system. He's right. Canadian but grew up or at least spent the latter part of his teen years in the States. He went to the same boarding school that Mrs. Or Sidney Crosby went to in Parise and the likes. He did not come up through the same system we're used to. So yeah, I think it'll be a coming out party for him. Alright, it is now time for the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. <laughs> trying to figure out what the Leafs are going to be on any given night is a damn near impossible task. Coming off of that game against a Jackets team that also put up a nine spot this week, the last game before Christmas holidays. Right. You could tell me this is going to be a one nothing most lockdown game I've ever seen in my life, or you could tell me that cannon's never going to stop ringing because it's going to be 13-12. I think I'm going to lean to a high-scoring game where the Leafs take care of business in, but this is the thing with the Leafs team. They could easily lay an egg, and but you could just as easily see them having you know Tavares and Keefe saying, come on. One day. One day of work, and then you got Christmas vacation. Do you have a lean on what you're going to see in this one? High-scoring game, maybe something a little more buttoned down. Where are you at on this one? I think I am leaning 
taking the over mm-hmm. on whatever it ends yeah. up being on this game, just because lots of goals have been let in by the Leaves in the last couple mm-hmm. of games. Even if it does end up being Martin Jones, and I expect it will be yeah. Jones in net, yes. uh, you got you got to hope. <laughs> I think you hope <laughs> it will be Martin Jones. Uh, if it is him, then I, I know he's looked. He's had a very up and down last mm-hmm. couple of games. I mean, he had a shutout yeah. uh, just a handful of games ago, and then in relief led in what four goals mm-hmm. last night. So it's not exactly uh, the 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 most potent of stop gaps, but I think I will take the uh, the over. And with the Leafs win in Columbus, the Columbus Jackets and Blue Jackets have not been particularly good in Ohio. Yeah, feels like a pretty safe bet. And uh, our boy Luke Fox said it when we had him on yesterday. Uh, you just worry about that that cannon ringing in Samsonov's ears that's for the rest of, the, of his life. One of the loudest can- things I've ever heard. Yeah, it's very loud, and I think it might be tomorrow. So, yeah, take that over. Uh, that is the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, Bet Local. Plenty more hockey talk coming up. Jason DeMare is going to join us. He regaled us with an exceptional tale of him getting very mad last time. And boy, if that's not right up my alley, I don't know what else is. Going to talk plenty of Leafs. Also, if you want to join us in on the text line, 590-590, include your name and location. Going to wrap up the show today with our favorite and least favorite sports stories of the year. So feel free to shoot us yours. One hour left until I'm on vacation. It's a fan morning show with Gunning and Ali on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.